Part two, chapter one of the Speaking Voice Principles of Training Simplified and Condensed by Catherine Jewell Efforts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part two, the technique of the instrument. Chapter one, discussion. We leave then the question of the tuning of the instrument to turn to a consideration of its technique when tuned. I invite you to enter with me upon a study of the vocal interpretation of literature, through which, as I have said, the voice put to its highest use may be made the beautiful agent of personality it is intended to be. This term, vocal interpretation of literature, has been criticised as a sesquipedalian way of designating the good old-fashioned exercise reading aloud. I wish the criticism were pertinent. It is not, because however identical in theory these exercises may be, in practice they are horribly opposed. So far apart are they indeed that we are told to beware of the reader who calls himself an interpreter. On the contrary, we should beware of the reader who has not established his claim to be an interpreter. The only excuse in the world for the existence of a reader lies in the possession of superior powers of interpretation. Unless I can make clear what must otherwise for some remain obscure, make beautiful what otherwise for some must remain commonplace, make alive what otherwise for some must lie dead on the printed page, I, as a reader, have no reason for being. To do any or all of these things is precisely to be an interpreter. However, we are entering upon this study of interpretation not with the idea of becoming public readers, but with the intention of perfecting our voices. There is a theory that it is dangerous to go beyond the mere freeing of the instrument in either vocal or physical training. In accordance with this theory, I was advised by a well-known actress to confine my study for the stage, so far as the vocal and pantomimic preparation was concerned, to singing, dancing, and fencing. Get your voice and body under control, she said. Make them free, but don't connect shades of thought and emotion with definite tones of the voice or movements of the body. Don't meddle with Delzart or elocution. This advice seemed good at the time. It still seems to me that it ought to be the right method, but I have grown to distrust it. One of the chief sources of my distrust has been the effect of the theory upon the art of the actress who gave the advice. She is perhaps the most graceful woman on the stage to-day, and her voice is pure music. But her gestures and tones fail in lucidity. They fail to illumine the text of the part she essays to interpret. One grows suddenly impatient of the meaningless grace of her movements, the meaningless music of her voice. One longs for a swift, if studied, stride across the stage in anger, instead of the unstudied grace of her glide in swirling-robed protest. One longs to hear a staccato declaration of intention instead of the cadenced music of a voice guiltless of intention. No, after the body has been made a free and responsive agent, a mastery of certain fundamental laws, 
a mastery of certain principles of gesture in accordance with the dictates of thought and emotion is necessary to its further perfecting as a vivid powerful and true agent of personality the action must be suited to the word the word to the action through a study of the laws governing expression in action so with the voice to become not only a free instrument but a beautiful and powerful means of expression and communication it must learn to recognize and obey certain fundamental laws governing its modulations a master of verbal expression is distinguished by his vast vocabulary of words and his skill and discrimination in its use a master of vocal expression must acquire what we may call a vocal vocabulary consisting of changes of pitch varieties of inflection and variations in tone colour and must know how to use these elements with skill and discrimination it is through a study of the vocal interpretation of literature that such a vocabulary is to be acquired to learn to command at will the changes of pitch and variations of inflection and tone colour which subtle shades of thought and feeling demand is the final step to be mastered in training the voice i have long held that a substitution of vocal interpretation of literature for a large proportion of the subjects now taught in our public schools would solve an equal proportion of the problems confronting our educators i believe this study properly conducted involves the finest kind of mental emotional physical and ethical discipline i believe that a child put into training at six in a school which made this subject the beginning and end and main body of its curriculum would find himself at sixteen with mind disciplined imagination untrammelled emotions free controlled and unafraid voice and body responsive agents and with knowledge absolute subject to no dispute of his own bent and an eager enthusiasm in pursuing it do not dismiss this as the extravagance of an enthusiast at least reserve judgment until you have traced with me the process of transferring through the voice vocally interpreting real thought literature from the printed page to the mind of an auditor the main object of the exercise will be of course to mark its effect upon the voice but in order to establish the broader claim i am making for the study i ask you to consider as well the mental emotional and ethical training involved it would indeed be difficult to study one without the other since it is the play of an elastic mind controlled emotion and a quickened spirit upon the voice which is to make the free and responsive instrument an effective agent it is through the process of which we are about to make a study that the mind is made elastic the emotions set free and the spirit quickened it is the act of intense concentration and strong transition demanded of the mind by this process which will deepen and broaden its action it is the swift response and perfect control demanded of the emotions by this process which will steady and free their play it is the constant dwelling in an atmosphere of truth and beauty demanded of the spirit by this process which will quicken its life 
these effects upon mind heart soul and voice are simultaneous and cannot be separated out in our study of the act which produces them then in entering upon this step in vocal training let us mentally drive a four in hand we must begin by choosing a passage for interpretation what shall govern our choice it must be a passage worth interpreting or we shall not be dealing with literature and so shall not meet the requirements of our title to be worth interpreting it must possess one or combine all of these three attributes beauty truth and power and here at once as a point in our minor claim note the ethical training demanded of the student by this subject surely to dwell appreciatively many hours of each day in an atmosphere charged with beauty truth and power is to be quickened spiritually or to be a dull clod indeed how will this passage from emerson's essay on friendship do for our experiment our friendships hurry to short and poor conclusions because we have made them a texture of wine and dreams instead of the tough fibre of the human heart it is certainly truth beautifully and powerfully expressed surely it will serve and here i should like to stop and discuss with you that vital question of choosing literature for children according to temperament and age but another time perhaps having read the passage under consideration cursorily as is the custom in reading to oneself to-day will you now study it for a moment very closely now once more please read it silently noting the action of your mind as you read watch its pulsations dr curry would say and now aloud although without an auditor read it this time noting the effect of the action of the mind upon your voice did its pitch change where and why how did you inflect the words wine and dreams how did the inflection of these words differ from that of the last six words tough fibre of the human heart with which they are contrasted in thought did your tone change colour at any point why where but now once more let us approach the passage this time with a different intention let us study it with the idea of interpreting it for another mind now the method of attack is very different not that it ought to be different but it is intense concentration ought to characterize all our reading whether its object be to acquire knowledge or pleasure for oneself or to impart either to another but the day of reading which maketh a full man seems to be long past so far as the general public is concerned the necessity of skimming the pages of a dozen fourth-rate books of the hour in order to be at least a lucid interlocutor and so a desired dinner-guest is making our reading a swift gathering of colourless impressions which may remain a week or only a day and which leave no lasting effect of beauty or truth upon the mind and heart of the reader should it not be rather an intense application of the mind to the thought of a mastermind 
until that thought in all its power and beauty has broadened the boundaries of the reader's mind and enlarged the meaning of all his thoughts i wonder if a much smaller proportion of time spent in such reading might not result in a less bromidic social atmosphere even though its tendency were a bit serious who knows but let us return to emerson on friendship in studying this thought for the purpose of interpreting it vocally the concentration of the attention must be intense because i must make it absolutely my own before i can present it to you it must for the moment possess me it must seem for the time to be a creation of my own brain it must belong to me as only the created thing can until i have so recreated the thought it is not mine to give now read the passage silently with this idea of making it your own pour upon it the light of your experience your philosophy your ideals your perception of truth comment upon it silently as you read now read it aloud and let your voice do this commenting but wait a moment let me quote for you the paragraph following this statement the laws of friendship are austere and eternal of one web with the laws of nature and of morals but we have aimed at a swift and petty benefit to suck a sudden sweetness we snatch at the slowest fruit in the whole garden of god which many summers and many winters must ripen this is emerson's paraphrase of his original statement how much of it did your mental commentary include how did your silent paraphrase resemble this read the original passage again to yourself in the light of this paraphrase i shall ask you now to repeat the first sentence from memory for you will find after this concentrated contemplation of a thought that its form is fixed fast in your mind that is a delightful accompaniment of this kind of reading the form of the thought if it be apposite which it must be to be literature and we are considering only literature the form of a thought so approached stays with us in all its beauty let us then repeat the original statement having read the passage in which emerson has elaborated it now what you must demand of your voice is this that it shall so handle the single introductory sentence as to suggest the rest of the paragraph in other words your voice must do the paraphrasing by means of its changes in pitch its inflections and its variations in tone colour once more read the sentence casually as you did at first as a mere statement of fact and then again in this paraphrastical manner watch 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 the voice mark the growth of its light and shade with the second reading we must not lose sight of our minor claim but the mental and ethical training involved has been too obvious i am sure to have escaped us we need go back for but a moment to re-note it the intense concentration and strong transition of thought required of the mind in mastering a text for the purpose of interpretation 
afford keen intellectual exercise the underlying idea in approaching a passage full of truth and beauty that the knowledge or pleasure i gain from it is not for the purpose of self-gratification but that i may share it with another is of great ethical value especially is this true in teaching children the laws of vocal expression end of part two chapter one